What's up and welcome into the CHGO Bulls podcast presented to you by PointsBet. Don't forget that promo code CHGO when signing up your PointsBet account to live your bet life. Hope everybody had a great weekend. Welcome back. I'm Peck. You can follow me on Twitter at Bulls underscore Peck. My guy, Will the Goat Gottlieb is at Won't Gottlieb. Big Dave at BowBWL Sports. We are CHGO underscore Bulls and very excited to bring y'all today. Somebody we're all excited to talk to ourselves one of the best NBA cap and contract experts out there. You can catch his work on sites like SpotRack. Also, the NBA front office show on YouTube, their YouTube channel. Check it out. Subscribe if you aren't already. He is the one, the only, Keith Smith. Follow him on Twitter, at KeithSmithNBA. Keith, welcome to the pod, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Now I've got a lot to live up to after that intro, so I'll try to do my best. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of all of the work that you do, I just saw earlier today that you dropped your free agent by position rankings on SpotRack. Man, how long does it take you guys to compile all of those lists? Because there's a lot in there. Yeah, I, I, it probably takes me. I obsess over the rankings part of it. Um, so longer than I should admit when like I'm ranking like power forwards, nobody cares about in the twenties, you know, like that, that part's just my own obsessive uh, broken brain. Uh, but I, I to actually, once the rankings are done, write it up a couple hours on each one. And then uh, to put it together with the uh, gentleman who actually makes every, does all the real work uh, on spot track. I think it takes him probably about 45 minutes to an hour or so. Keith to, to do what you do. You, you have to have a real deep love of the game of uh, basketball. So I'm curious as to where your love for that kind of started and what made you say, hey, I can focus in on this aspect of the game. Yeah, my, my love for the game started. So I grew up in uh, just south of Boston um, mm. in the on the 80s and 90s, Larry Bird Celtics. Mm. So it yeah. was very easy to fall in love with the game. Uh, for me, it was, it was my family's um, wintertime sport. Like they all loved it. Um, my dad, about as soon as I was old enough to reach a ten foot rim, put a put a hoop up in our driveway, um, and I had a lot of time. My my dad traveled for a living; he was home like one weekend a month. Um, my mom was uh, was working um, her her job, so I had a lot of time after school by myself. And the great thing about basketball, it's one of the only sports you can do by yourself yeah. um, to practice. So that that was where I really fell in love with the game. The contract stuff. Um, Grew out of, I was that kid, you give me a new copy of Madden or NBA Live back in the day. The first thing I did was like, I got to fix all the rosters because I can't play. But they're wrong. (laughs) And these were in the days before you (laughs) popped online and downloaded a new roster, right? right? Like like you do now. Like that didn't exist. So so out of that grew into, um, how does this work? How does that work? Mm -hmm. And I remember hearing things like, uh, this team can go over the cap with bird rights to sign a guy and all that stuff. And I got super interested in that part of it. And when I actually was like, I want to learn this. I, I, I legit cold called the NBA and said, Hey, do you, can I get a copy or collective bargaining agreement? And they were like, no, that's not something we do. So then I proceeded to cold call the players association and ask them the same question. And their response was, and this kind of gives you a sense of, this was before it was all online. They said, yeah, sure. Send us a self-addressed stamped envelope and a check for $3 made out to NBA players association. We'll send you a copy. And like two, three weeks later, I got a bound copy of the CBA. And then fairly soon after that, it all started going online. 
in 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 that that I love that my professional life before basketball was a lot based on numbers and facts and figures and things like that and forecasting. So it, it's just a natural thing for me. I, I, I love the roster stuff. And a big part of that is obviously the cap. So i um, get super involved in that as well. Wow. The idea of sending a check for $3 in today's day and age <laughs> right? sounds so ridiculous right now. Um, it's so, like when so, the dude fills out a check for 60 cents for that thing of milk at the grocery store. Right? The it's not even worth the amount of the paper and ink that right. you printed. Yeah. So, so, Keith, did you just like pour through the CBA or were you like reaching out to people to try to figure stuff out? Were you talking to teams? Like what was how did you go about learning this stuff in such detail? Because uh, to Matt's point, like you really are sort of the expert on this stuff. And it's very difficult. It's very easy to watch the game and just go, oh, I like what this guy's doing. He can dribble the ball or he can shoot the ball. Like I can sort of teach myself the game that way. But this seems like a whole sort of different beast. Yeah, it's funny you ask that because for me, it's the, the opposite because I find when it's when it's rendering just strictly an opinion, it that there's so much subjectiveness in there. And I guess I have a natural fear of what if people don't see it the way I do or what if they don't mm. think this guy is good or what if I'm there's something I'm missing like I see you know this player is you know, really good and then you know especially now in today's stats you know uh, burdened almost sometimes world it is you know let um you know well yeah you think he's good but he's actually not efficient and all these other things and it's like oh yeah I guess you're kind of right um the CBA for me, I like is it's, it's very black and white, right? So I can get into it and, and there it is and that's it. And I can, I know what's possible, what's not possible, how it works, but learning it um, helped me consider because I'm not a lawyer by trade by any means. So understanding all the legalese part of it is really hard. Um, I, I struggled through that in those initial years, but then when Larry Kuhn put together the CBA FAQ.com, um, then what it made very easy for me is I would read until I got stuck on something, find the corresponding part on the FAQ in plain English and, and then work through it there. Um, the real GM message boards were huge. There were a couple other cap nerd guys out there, some of whom were involved in uh, helping to create the FAQ with Larry. So they were always super helpful uh, with that. And then, then it was just, you know, every year, or not every year, but every iteration, it was, mm-hmm. I'd have the base, now I got to learn all the new stuff. And some years mm-hmm. there's a few new things. In other years, it's like, hey, we basically blew it up and we're starting all over again. And then it's like, <laughs> all right, let's learn it. But yeah, that's the, it's just you know time, effort, asking a lot of questions and a ton of helpful people. Mm-hmm. Um, still today, like, like uh, I don't know if you guys saw, but it, like I had a little bit of a journey the other day with Evan Fournier's contract. Um, because there was this rumor that the Celtics were going to try to reacquire him. And I was like, well, I can't. It's within the same year, so they can't do that. I literally had people from from the league, people from that had been in the league, on opposite sides of like, no, they can't. And then other people like, no, they can't. And it was all coming down to how you define the word season. Is it mm-hmm. season, like being through the last game, or through the league year? which is very often used interchangeably, including in the CBA itself. So it was, uh, yeah, it, it was. It was make it easy on you. No. And long story short, Boston could reacquire Evan Fournier is where we all landed. I don't think they will, and I don't think they should. Um, but that's that's the kind of stuff for me that when I get stuck on it, I got to know. So then I start 
being a real pain in the tail and asking everybody and you know you know what do you think on this weigh in you know what, what do you think and we, we probably had at one point i think we had like a group chat going with like 20 people like and it was like like-minded people like me that were in a full-on argument about semantics of the word season so <laughs> it was fun it was a good i, I enjoyed it but I, I don't know the best time spent when i have a lot of other work to do right now uh keith as you probably guess we're gonna ask you about zach levine and his impending crazy <laughs> in just a minute here but before that of uh, something that a lot of bulls fans have been maybe confused by um uh, discussing zach levine's future is this concept of the bulls being able to be the only team to offer him a five-year deal for that full 212 million as opposed to any other team only offering him four and some fans uh, sort of misinterpreting what sign and trades can be and how they can work in the league. Cause some people were either suggesting the Bulls sign and trade Zach because they didn't want to pay in this huge contract or are fe fearful that he could leave and still get all that money via sign and trade. It doesn't work that way. The Bulls can't sign and trade him on a five-year deal. I, I I'm curious if there's one misinterpretation or or one misunderstanding that you see the most in your line of work and having become an expert on everything CBA and everything cap that a lot of NBA fans don't understand and need to understand. I, I will say since I've started doing this, even the the more casual fan has become far more educated on understanding it. Um, I think you have some people who they right they they fly in now because maybe the team they like has been out for months or whatever, and they're they're just popping in. And sometimes I think people just they like the transaction game part of it. And sometimes with those folks, and even some people who love the game, they just don't understand this part of it. Think. Well, player X left who made $30 million. So let's just resign somebody for $30 million. And that's not really how it works um, in the league. So that that's one. And then amongst the more educated fans who understand, I think because it has become such a major thing in the last couple of years is the hard cap and the concept of what does that mean? I think that's been a stumbling block for, for a lot of people. Um, I will say for Celtics fans specifically, because that's one of the teams I cover, they're hung up on traded player exceptions right now because that's been kind of life over the last couple of years. Uh, for one full year, it was the disabled player exception because of Gordon Hayward getting hurt. But those are things that you're getting a little bit deeper in. And, you know, part, part of my thing is I don't, I don't ever mind answering questions and trying to educate people. Um, sometimes I'll, I'll, if I've written something, I may just reply with a link and say, Hey, it's here, you know, read, read what I wrote. So I don't have to re explain it. What gets me is, and I had this uh, just at the end of last week with the whole Kyrie Irving situation was someone was asking me, well, can't the Lakers just give him a max? And I was like, no, because they don't have cap space. Well, why don't they have cap space? And I was like, oh, okay, this is a, you know, reasonable back and forth. And I explained it. And then the response was, LOL, nerd, who cares? <laughs> all right. Well, that was a Isn't good use Twitter of all just of our the time, best. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, I'm glad we spent this time together. It's, uh, oh. yeah, it's let's never do it again. And it's just, like, you know, and at some point, you guys will see me at some point on Twitter. I will say this summer because I say it every free agent period. Someone will say, well, who says that doesn't work? Math. It's literally just math. <laughs> Like Matt says, it doesn't work. Yeah, you know? I love I love nothing more than when Keith gets on a tirade on Twitter, just <laughs> calling out idiots for saying dumb stuff. I love that, it. That 
that honestly was about to be my next question to you. And I'm glad you had, because I wanted to know how frustrated you get when somebody just says something like, well, why don't you just sign this guy? And how frustrating is for you? Like, it's not possible to sign this guy. Well, why not? Why isn't it possible? You're like, like you said, because math. Because yeah. of simple things like, how, because you've been at it for years now. You know what I'm saying? Like, so have you come to terms with it? Or is are you kind of like my man, uh, Matt? You know, you kind of <laughs> get it out of you. You know what I'm saying? Uh, online to some people. If people are respectful and they're just not getting it, I, I don't have any problem with that because this this stuff is complicated. And 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 I don't mean to you know disparage the people who like video games or or the 2K games, but they've made it. They, they, it's that's it's kind of accurate, but it's not really accurate. And that's the thing I think in some ways that's, that's ruined stuff for people. And sometimes if I'm feeling a little snippy, I'll be like, cause you can't turn the cap off. Like it doesn't work that way. Um, (laughs) I get frustrated when people get either they are being, you know, like purposefully obtuse or they're, they're being, if they're ever being, you know, disrespectful then i get frustrated and that's when as will said i i have no problem quote tweeting someone and letting a whole bunch of people see hey if you want to be a disrespectful idiot be a disrespectful idiot and let the whole world see it like let, let's go you know not that the whole world follows me by any means but right. let's let everybody see that follows because you know let, let's go and that's where you know the people i i can't tell you the number of times i'll get a response back you don't have to quote tweet me now look at all that stuff well, you didn't have to be a jerk, so we, we both made decisions today. <laughs> oh, yeah. You got it in you, Keith. <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. I can man. be pretty petty at times. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I, like I said, I grew up just south of Boston, and there's nothing we like better than getting in a fight. Yes, sir. <laughs> if, yes, sir. Uh, you you want to come, we're, 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 happy to, we're happy to come with a fight for you. Let me say, how about them apples? I got you. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. <laughs> So, uh, Keith, before we we dive into the Zach stuff, in case there are any of our listeners out there who just want like a really quick refresher course on some of these terms that we'll be using, can you just kind of quickly, you know, dictionary style definition, like what is the cap? What is the hard cap? What are teams in the tax? And what is that space of the apron in between? And what does that NBA cap project to be and that hard cap project to be in this upcoming 22-23 season? Yeah, so the salary cap for this year, the most recent projection provided by the NBA was $122 million. Um, that's the same for every team. That, that's another thing that comes up sometimes. I think people think. Um, I think the NFL, because they, they've done some things where you can roll over cap space and the like, doesn't work that way in the NBA. Everything essentially, to some extent, resets cap-wise on July 1st when the league year flips over. Um, so $122 million salary cap. Um, now the NBA has a soft cap, so you don't have to come in underneath that right you can go over and the vast majority of the teams will be way over um by the end of free agency probably you know i mean the golden state warriors are you know they're so far over it they can't even see the salary cap never mind the luxury tax line um now the luxury tax line for this year projects to be 149 million um what happens is if you're a first-time taxpayer you get it with a penalty of a dollar for dollar penalty on that if you um, a repeat team, which means um, it's a little bit of a misnomer because it's not just your second year. You have to be in it three or four years. And then on that fourth year, it triggers. But those penalties, pending how much you're over the, the tax line, they can go up and it can be almost as much as um, almost $5 um, per dollar over. That's why when you hear things like the Warriors sign somebody for $2 million, but it's going to really cost them 10 
Um, that's why, because they're they're paying paying the stiff penalty on that. Um, the tax apron or otherwise known as the hard cap is about $6 million above uh, the tax line. So about 155 million, it, it, it'll go slightly more than that, but it's right around that, that amount. Um, now that tax apron only comes into play. You only really care about that. If you are a hard cap team, the only way you become hard cap is by doing one of three things. Either you use the biannual exception, which, for Bulls fans, not available to them because they used it last year to sign Tristan Thompson. Um, you out. can acquire a player via sign and trade. Um, that's that that um, would hard cap you as well at that 155. Um, or you use the non-taxpayer mid-level, a portion of that that's equal to the taxpayer. So I'll break that down, make it super easy. You use about 10.4 million of that. Um, is the, is the full taxpayer. If you use 6.4 million of that, you're hard capped. Um, so you, you'll still have that, but if you're hard capped, you're fine. As long as you stay under the hard cap amount, it's basically set there to basically say, Hey, there's a limit to what you can uh, spend or what you can acquire players for. If you're over, for example, the warriors are way over that hard cap line. So they can't take in a player via sign and trade. They don't get the biannual exception and they're only going to get the taxpayer mid-level to spend. So that kind of hopefully gives you a, a good range of, you know, what we'll be talking about on these different things. Hmm. And so you broke all that down very eloquently. Thank you for doing that. I'm curious now if you can sort of like, reframe that into where the bulls are with their cap sheet right now um a, a lot was made of arturis karnashovas and mark eversley's ability to operate above the cap in last offseason right now i think and correct me if i'm wrong uh they'll be below the cap before they re-sign zach levine so i want to get your thoughts on that but just sort of framing it before they do anything where are the bulls right now in terms of cap space I'm glad you asked it the way you asked it, because in terms of actual salaries on their books, they'll probably be below the cap. But there's a thing that comes into play in the NBA called cap holds. And what a cap hold does is that essentially is a placeholder amount for a reasonable estimation of what the player may get get paid. Um, so in the case of Zach Levine, he's coming off a 19.5 salary, I believe. Um, so he is has a cap hold of 29.25 million. And what those cap holds do, why they're there, is I think even the most casual fans understand to re-sign your own free agents, you can go over the cap. Um, what those cap holds do, though, is they're not going to let the Bulls spend up to that 122 million cap then re-sign Zach Levine. Um, so that cap hold applies against the cap space. So in, in all uh, reasonable purposes, the Bulls will, as long as they have Zach Levine on their books, they will function as an over-the-cap team um, th this summer. They will not have cap space to go sign players, but they're, they're under the tax, and they should have enough room to re-sign uh, Zach Levine and then do some other work. Um, and fill out their roster without triggering, triggering the hard cap or maybe even going into the luxury tax. That kind of is dependent on what they do with a couple more of the fringe roster guys like Matt Thomas, Troy Brown, those, those kind of players. Matt Thomas, by the way, was in our building today at the uh, Dale and Terry introductory press conference. Uh, we'll, we'll get more into the Dale and Terry stuff tomorrow, but I did see Matt Thomas and Marco Simonovich there today. 
Big ups, big ups to them both. Yay! Great. New New Dave would be very happy about that. One. I was over the moon, Will. Oh, it's a great day for basketball, sir. <laughs> oh, Keith, I'm I'm curious um, to know where how do you rank the Bulls front office and how they handle these contracts and how they make these moves and do you see them as very smart, very shrewd? Uh, where do you kind of rank the, the Bulls front office in those terms? Yeah, it's funny. If we were having this conversation a few days into free agency last year, I might have answered this very differently because I didn't really like the offseason that, that mm. they put together. I, I was not a big fan of um, of uh, the DeMar DeRozan edition, the Lonzo Ball one. I didn't have as much issue with that, um, but it was really DeRozan one that, that kind of threw me. And I, you know, I'm perfectly happy to say I was wrong. Right, DeRozan had plenty left in the tank, and I thought their their team came together quite well uh, this, this um, you know uh, past year. So, I think what's hard is we we have one cycle to to judge them on um, one off season, one one trade deadline, one draft. So we're we're kind of through one cycle of it. So I think now what we're kind of looking um, at is. What is their long-term vision for the roster? Because that'll start to come together a little bit more so now, um, whereas it had been um, kind of a, a – we could see the short-term vision um, with that. So now we're seeing the – all right, this is where we want to go long-term. We'll start to understand that a little bit better. I also think, too, they came in with some things on their plate that weren't really their decisions, right? So so you got to either work with those or work around those. Um, that's the case with any new front office. Um, so, yeah, but overall, I, I think they're doing a really good job. I think they've got, a, um, you know, I think they did a nice job building out the team last year. I think they've done well with um, limited resources as far as um, they didn't have, you know, 70 million in cap space and they didn't have you know a million extra first round picks and all those other things um even with some first round picks already laid out to go out in the Vucevic trade and those kind of things I think they've done a pretty good job mm-hmm. plenty more talking with Keith Smith NBA cap expert coming up next on the CHGO Bulls podcast but first I mentioned it at the top of the show today's episode brought to you guys by our dear friends at PointsBet. And the best way to support CHGO is to download that PointsBet app and use promo code CHGO when signing up. If you do that right now, you're going to get those two risk-free bets up to $2,000. But that's not it. If you make that $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our amazing web content. You'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. We just dropped some new merch in that CHGO locker a few days ago. That's 2,000 free bets, a free CHGO membership, a free t-shirt for the CHGO locker, all for just making that $50 or more first-time deposit at PointsBet. And don't forget that promo code CHGO when you sign up. So what are you waiting for? It's time to elevate your live betting game at PointsBet. Once the game starts, don't just bet. Will the thrill. Tell them what you do. You live your bet life. And there it is. Um, all right, Keith. So I think so the, like the big question on the minds of Bulls fans as we are just a couple of days away from free agency now is assuming they do, you know, offer Zach Levine that max contract and he says yes. And that that part is taken care of, you know, to do list one a check. Then Bulls fans wonder what other resources, what other kinds of things can AK and Mark Eversley do around the fringes to still 
improve the talent on this roster because this is a team that after key injuries to a couple of guys went from sharing or holding the number one seed in the East for the first two thirds of the season, all the way down to the sixth seed and had a, a pretty, you know, whimpery exit uh, losing to the bucks in five in the first round. I think everybody believes that this team, in addition to just retaining Zach Levine needs to add talent. How can they do it after signing Zach to that max contract? Yeah, and part of what's going to answer that question is the willingness of ownership to dip into the luxury tax. Um, if they're willing to to do that, then they have the ability. It'll get a little bit tight, but but they're they're not uh, necessary. Uh, you know, sitting on like five, six, seven open roster spots if they re-sign Levine, because I, I I have it as. You know, they're guys who are under contract. I think Tony Bradley probably opts in would be my my guess on it. That's my read at the moment. Um, and then you re-sign Levine. You've got Dalen Terry. You've got two – you've got, uh, let's see, one – or what's that, two, three roster spots to work with. Um, if they're willing to go into the tax, what the Bulls could do then is they could use the full uh, mid-level, which gives them that 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 10 point uh, – it's about 10 point – uh, three million in spending power um, to go get somebody, um, or they could use maybe just a portion of that. That you don't have to necessarily use all of it. You could use seven million of it or something, um, and then fill out your roster. Likely, like most teams do, with a couple minimum signings um, on the very back end, and that would keep them uh, just into the tax. Um, if they don't want to go into the tax, then you're looking at Levine, Terry, running it back with a handful of minimum signings around those guys. Um, Neither way is right. Neither way is wrong. I think this year, because of the lack of overall spending power, um, you're going to be able to pick off a handful of good vets um, on minimum type type deals. Um, I th- think they'll be able to to be able to do that. I think you know they their uh, status as a um, if everybody buys into all right, healthy, they're a contender. Um, then that helps you get veterans for the end of the bench too, right? Because veterans always want two things. It's um, knowing if I'm taking a minimum, um, the money's the same everywhere. So then I want to play and I want to win. Those are the two things I want. And I want to be a part of it and I want to win. Yeah. I mean, you might be able to get a guy who doesn't really care about the playing time, but then you can always get those guys. So I'm not really overly concerned about that. So I, I think they have a chance to fill this thing out pretty good. And that's before you obviously get into any trades or anything like that. And they could obviously, you know, there's all sorts of things they could do there, but uh, just, you know, with straight signings that that's basically the position you're in. So my guess is resign Levine to his full max use probably a pretty good chunk of the uh, non-taxpayer MLE that 10.3 million fill out with a couple minimums. And that's your roster to start the season. And so to clarify, they are not able to use their biannual exception because they used a portion of that on Tristan Thompson last year uh, as a buyout candidate. Yep. They will have upwards of $10.3 million in the MLE, but don't necessarily have to use the whole thing. Um, and then they've also got a $5 million trade exception via the Daniel Tice sign-and-trade, which happened last year. Um during free agency, would they be able to to sign multiple players into that mid-level exception? 
Yeah, yeah, you can break that up uh, any way you want. What's become a very popular thing for teams to do uh, over the years, and I believe, let me double check because I don't want to say something wrong here, um, but I think I'm right on this. Yeah, the Bulls did that uh, last year. They, they took that, um, and that's actually uh, – <laughs> maybe this isn't the greatest thing to say, but that's how they signed Marco Simonovic. They gave him a chunk of it. Maybe they should have done that for Ayo Desunmu instead of the two-year deal with him, but that – you know, that's uh, you know, water under that bridge is already gone through. So um, it is what it is. But, yeah, you can break that up. You can break that up any way you want as long as the contracts fit um, within that. And the reason why you use um, some of it is in order to give a minimum that goes longer than two years, you have to use cap space or a part of an exception to do that. So what teams have regularly done now is they'll, they'll carve out a chunk of that for like second round picks and those kind of things. I know the Bulls didn't have a second rounder uh, this year, if I remember correctly, right? So they don't have one no. until like 2045. <laughs> yeah. at this point. Oh, and this year was the, was no, well, one of those years and there's the forfeit year, right? Um, right. But with that, so yeah, so that's a whole other thing. Um, but yeah, that's uh, so yeah, so that's that, that definitely happens. The one thing, um, you're absolutely right on the biannual. Uh, if you used, any portion of it, you don't get it the next year. So they use the portion of it. I think the reason why they did that last year was reading the tea leaves a little bit, saying if we re-sign Zach Levine to a max contract, we're going to be so close to the hard cap anyway, we won't be able to use it. So might as well try to bolster our front court now and go forward uh, with that. And I think they read that situation correctly. Maybe not the correct signing, but situation was read correctly. Um, and then the um, – the trade exception, the important thing to note there is that can't be used to sign players. You can only use that to get players via trade. Um, so, yeah, and the important note on trade exceptions is their contract has to fit within the trade exception amount. Um, right. So it'd have to fit within that $5 million. Mm. Now, one of the things Bulls fans have been talking about a lot is getting Rudy Gobert. That's been a big thing among Bulls fans is getting Rudy Gobert on this team. Um I don't think Matt Will and myself thinks that that was going to happen or ever going to happen, but Bulls fans wanted it to happen and wanted to go down. Now he comes with that big, huge contract, the 40 million that he makes. Um, can you kind of explain what the, uh, the cap ramifications would be of a Rudy Gobert trade? Yeah. So you have to match salary in a trade. Um, it's that this is one where it's uh, you, you can't just, you know, this, I always like to say that this isn't major league baseball where you just, you know, Hey, we're going to trade you, you know, four prospects who make a total of a million dollars together for your $30 million outfielder. And off we go. It doesn't work that way in the NBA. You have to match salary. Now it doesn't have to, when we say match salary, it's match salary within the the trade rules. Um, so in this case with Rudy Gobert, the Bulls are going to be close enough to the tax, um, likely, because I would assume you're not going to go get Rudy Gobert if Zach Levine leaves. That would be now you're working in opposite directions. So I'm going to assume Zach Levine stays and then you go trade for Rudy Gobert. So in order to do that, you've got to get basically within it's the best way to think of it is about 75% of his total salary. So he makes, I think it's about 36 million. So you got to get to about, well, what is it? That's 28, 29 million um, or so within that range to, to get there. So that's, so that's how much you have to send out. So in that case, that's why I think it's become very uh, popular to say, well, that's Vucevic and Pat Williams or Vucevic and Kobe White. Mm -hmm. There it is, right? Because that's that's the easiest way to do the math. $22 million for Vooch, $7 million for one of the other guys. We're there. Off we go. And everybody's happy as far as 
the trade machine works. Um, now, this is my other favorite thing I like to say at this time of year. Just because the trade machine says good deal, off we go, doesn't mean it's a good deal and off we go. Right? Better, that, that, say that know. again, please, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I um, you know, I, uh, it's I, I think I need I, to hear that again. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have I, a problem. <laughs> yeah, the trade machine can be tough, man. It, you, you get, I, 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 I might have killed a few afternoons at my former work job. <laughs> um, so I, uh, I, I will, you know, and I would highly encourage everybody. The one I think that is the least buggy is ours on spot track. Um, I think we're, we, we've got it pretty well hammered out and opt out there too. You can, you can do things on spot track too. You could literally pick the bulls and then do the whole off season. You can mm-hmm. renounce players, resign players, do all sorts of stuff, and play, and pr- probably kill you know hours and hours of, of you know, productive time otherwise to doing Ken that and have a lot confirmed. of fun. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So, um, but yeah, I my I guess it's funny because I, I like to say you know I I run across some Bulls fans out there in the wilds who are like no Rudy Gobert you know and then then it's funny you guys know how it is you put a tweet out and then seven dudes are arguing in your mentions and I'm like I don't even remember what this tweet was about sometimes <laughs> if I get nothing better to do I'll scroll all the way to the top I was like this tweet was about John Wall like why are we arguing about Rudy Gobert to the Bulls like right. you untag me please and then thank God for the mute conversation button right so um but yeah it's uh yeah it so that's where you get get to math wise on that though it's it's it doesn't have to be that right because you could do you could do DeRozan in a couple smaller contracts you could do Lonzo Ball but the easy one obviously that everybody goes to is Vooch plus one of the seven million dollar guys and so okay so a lot of people will argue well Rudy Gobert's like 38 million whatever it is is like a total albatross and like aside from the fact that I disagree with that from the standpoint that he's you know an all-star player and one of the best rim protectors of all time uh what would that mean a trade like that assuming it was vooch plus kobe and we i won't even mention patrick williams names because i I know (laughs) what the ramifications of that are assuming it's just kobe and vooch and the bulls take on that extra about 10 million dollars in salary what happens to them moving forward and their ability to sort of maneuver uh obviously i think they'll be a luxury tax team at that point but are they able to continue to make moves or does that basically prevent them from doing anything ever again? Uh, I don't know about ever again. Uh, you know, <laughs> it, that, that's the other thing with the NBA, no contract ever runs more than five years. So, um, or, you know, uh, five years in, in an extension, no, nothing runs longer than a six year window. So, you know, as long as you can wake that out, you know, that's uh, longer than most marriages last now. So I think <laughs> you can make that work. Um, <laughs> but I, I think it's, uh, if we, we look at, this um what that really does do though because so, so then let's play play game this out a little bit right you have zach levine resigned for you know at that point you know 30 plus 40 million in that range you've got DeRozan for another year 28.6 you've got lots of ball at i think 20.5 um this and i'm talking 23 24 um because we're talking beyond just this season then you'd have gobert on the books at 38 million um so you're basically kind of locked in for at least a couple of years is that's that's your new core. Now that'll flip. You'd likely be a tax team, as you said. So then you'd have the taxpayer MLE uh, that, that year moving forward. Um, you're probably, cause you're going to be dancing around the hard cap line enough. You're probably not making signing trades and doing those kind of things, but regular trades, your draft picks. I, I know they've still got some obligations to fulfill on that front too, down the line, but, but you're, you're, you're looking at, that's how you're building out. So you're basically building a, it, it's not, 
quite the, you know, lock into three stars and that's it kind of approach. But you're kind of saying, all right, we've kind of got our four four guys, uh, maybe five if Patrick Williams continues to develop. And then we're going to fill out our bench with minimums and the exceptions and kind of go from there. And at that point, assuming they were in the tax or or they would reach the tax if they decided to use their mid-level exception at that point, they would only be able to use the taxpayer mid-level, Correct. which is like 6.4 instead of the non-taxpayer 10.3, which is what they currently have. Yeah, that's a, that would be for this year and then going up, obviously, slightly uh, each year moving forward. So that, all that to say, there is some flexibility to add players, even if they add Rudy Gobert and are locked mm-hmm. in for a few extra seasons uh, with that core of uh, Zach, Gobert, Damar, and Patrick Williams. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I would put ball and Crusoe in there too. Right. Sure. I think, you know, cause you'd, you'd have them. Yeah. I think it will, that's one of the things that maybe is getting a little bit lost when I see some of the discussion is it leaves us with, you know, four guys. I hear that a lot and read that a lot. And that's not really true. You're, you, you're probably, you still have six, seven guys. You're still in you know, decent shape as far as, all right, well, we've got a pretty good starting five. I would assume one of the better ones in the league. And I'm not saying, you know, this is why you make the Gobert trade or don't make it, but you've got a pretty good starting five. You've got a couple depth guys, and then you get to fill out around those guys, and you'll be you'll be okay. I don't. I, I just think it goes a little too far. I think people have gotten kind of um, – they see what happened with the Lakers where it was like AD, LeBron, and Russ, and then a whole bunch of dudes on minimums. Well, that's that's how you don't build a team, right? Because that's that's too hard. You're not going to find 12 productive players on minimum contracts, which is yeah. you know, virtually impossible. Even if they nailed a few of those signings, right? Carmelo ended up being a great signing for them. He was really good. Malik Monk was a great signing, really good. Um, but Dwight Howard, DeAndre Jordan, like those ones weren't very good. And that's where, you know, it kind of all fell apart on them. But yeah, it's, you just got to be careful with the way you build it out. Cause what you can't have, if you go that route, you can't really have any misses because then you're just not going to have the depth to get through the regular season, which I think was to some extent, they're kind of their undoing this year, right? When, mm-hmm. when the injury train hit, now they, they went like past the point of no return with injuries by the end. But when it first hit, they just didn't have enough guys to step in and slide in to, to step forward. So that that's, you know, I think more than ever in the NBA with just the way we treat the regular season. Now you got to have seven, eight, nine guys who can really play. And you feel pretty good if, Hey, if we lose one or two, we're still in pretty good shape to, to slide the next guy in. When you get down to, we got five guys who can really play lose one or two of them that's that's probably going to be the season Hmm. all right keith uh i have one or maybe two more names i want to throw at you uh to get your take on what you think is going to happen with them from a contract standpoint this offseason but before that big dave yes sir shout out the athletic greens would you please i shall shout them out very very hard sir because they have those 75 high quality vitamins minerals whole force whole food source superfoods probiotics and adaptogens that help you start your day right that special blend of ingredients that support your gut health your nervous system your immune system your energy your recovery your focus and your aging all the things you want to help and it costs you less than three dollars a day is cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself and you're investing in that all-in-one nutritional insurance lifestyle friendly gluten-free matt's favorite dairy-free 
contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything. And it does all this while still tasting good and it supports better sleep quality and recovery. But don't just take my word for it. Don't take the word of over 7,000 five-star reviews. Take the word of that man we call the GOAT, Will the Thrill Gottlieb, because he is down with the Athletic Greens, aren't you, Will? I'm going to keep it real short today because I want to just keep picking Keith's brain here. But I'll Pick say it. this. I'm I'm glad I am on the Athletic Greens train because otherwise there is no way I'm retaining all this information that Keith is giving us today mm. without that mental sharpness that I get from my daily Athletic Greens. You hear that mental sharpness? Sharptitude. Sharptitude. <laughs> oh, the flex right there. That's amazing. So to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of that immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash C-H-G-O Bulls. That's athleticgreens.com slash C-H-G-O Bulls to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance because it's Athletic Greens. You scoop it, you dump it, you shake it, you drink it, and you feel it. All right, so Keith, a, a name that's been going around a lot over the last few days is P.J. Tucker. You know, quality vet, uh, can give you things on both ends of the floor. Uh, the Bulls could certainly use his work on the glass. They certainly could use his corner threes. The Bulls were one of the worst corner three shooting teams in the NBA this past season. It was certainly one of their undoings as they got uh, bounced out of the playoffs. Mark Stein said he's hearing a lot that uh, three years, 30 to the Philadelphia 76ers is the most likely outcome for P.J. Tucker right now. Just curious if the Bulls and potentially other teams are still capable of throwing something similar at P.J. Tucker using the full mid-level exception. And and if kind of going back to what you were saying about the Lakers, you know, paying a veteran role player a quality mid-level exception um, and using all of it on one quality vet like that as opposed to breaking it up, is is something you see as a solid strategy yeah i if you're going to use it all on one guy it's going to be the right guy who fills a need for you um for where the bulls are hoping to go it needs to be somebody who can be on the floor in a playoff game for 25 30 minutes a night if necessary um i don't think you can um use it in that position on one guy if you're just yeah, we think he might be pretty good. I, I think Chicago is now you're not in the developmental prospect game anymore. Not with the guys who are on this roster right now, not with the resigns of Zach Levine. You're in the let's try to go win. So you, you got to be going getting somebody you feel confident can be in there. Um, yeah, that could be PJ Tucker. Um, challenges with PJ Tucker. I think the 330 is being thrown out as just that's very easy math for everybody, right? 10 million a year. Mm-hmm. Off we go. It's probably going to be closer to 332 and a half. Um mm-hmm. is my guess cuz he'll get the most he can get out of that. I think the Philly connecting the dots is being done because James Harden's there, Daryl Morey's there. Those guys go back to their Houston roots together. I don't think Miami's going to let him go without putting up a fight though, too. Um, but yeah, I mean, T, I, I think if PJ Tucker says to the world on, at 6 p.m. on June 30th, hey, I'm open, let's let's talk, I think you're gonna have 10, 12 teams at least that are gonna say, hey, you want to talk full mid level money? 
um, whether it be through cap space or just through, you know, hey, that's you know that's what we can actually offer you. Um, I think you're going to have a bunch of teams because I think he's just he he may be one of the most plug and play guys in the entire league. Mm-hmm. Hey, go out there, play defense, and hit corner threes. Like it's not you know I I don't I'm not making it out like it's easy to do because if it was I'd be doing it, but <laughs> and I certainly can. Um, but I think it is um, it's easy to say. All right, we know what he is. Right, there's no projecting what PJ Tucker might be in a new system or anything like that. You just, we're going to put him in. He's going to do what he's done for a decade now. So I think that is, um, they'll have competition, but Miami loves him. So I'm not going to count out the heat and, you know, trying to retain him, but yeah, he's going to have a market for sure. If, if they, if they're serious about it now, if, if we start hearing, you know, but, uh, well, let's be realistic, right? At 6.05, P.J. Tucker is close with somebody else. That means P.J. Tucker is only having a couple meetings, and that's where it's going to go. Or very likely, let's not be naive, he already had a couple meetings uh, that, that we're not going to talk about until it's proper time, <laughs> and that, that's where it goes. you know, Because no, nobody enters into multi-million dollar contracts in less than five minutes, does it? I, I mean, some some team oh, out there better get in trouble for tampering this summer, yeah, right? right? Yeah, I mean, yeah if, maybe. If they're going to actually enforce that rule and stick the Bulls with a penalty, they got to penalize right. somebody else. That's well, right. that was where, you know, it was funny. I laughed when, I don't know if you guys saw it, but the, there was a, a, a report from Josh Robbins of The Athletic that Bradley Beal said to him on the record, like, yeah, I've already made my decision. And a bunch mm-hmm. of people were like, oh, man, what do you think? What do you think he decided? I'm like, well, if he's saying it on the record, I hope he decided he's going back to the Wizards because otherwise we're talking tampering a month out. And that's yeah. a whole other you know, ball of wax problems there. So, yeah, I, here's my thing with the tampering is I have long since believed if the player is a pending free agent, the minute his team has played their last game of the season, you ought to be able to talk to whoever he wants. Can't enter into any kind of legal agreement until it's time, but talk to whoever you want because what difference does it make? You're, you're a free agent anyway. I don't have any any problem with that. Guys, the guys who are under contract for two, three, four years, five years, some of them, no, that's that's not cool. That shouldn't be a thing because guy just signed. But, you know, that's all I, I could do, you know, an hour on that, and I know nobody wants to hear it anyway. <laughs> It's I'll make my wife new, listen to it later. It's all about that new league year. So, Keith, you mentioned the uh, the full mid-level exception and how that would work with P.J. Tucker. Uh, obviously, P.J. is like the kind of guy who's not going to go to anything less than a contending caliber team. Uh, I wonder how many teams there are. You know, Ideally, we're throwing the Bulls into this category here of teams that could realistically compete if they had a P.J. Tucker what just like most likely scenario, how, how many other teams that could be in that contender category are going to be competing for a guy like PJ Tucker or TJ Warren, or I don't know, is Gary Harris somebody who's going to get that full mid-level money? How many teams are in that boat right now? Yeah. Teams that'll have the full mid-level available to them that, that are, uh, you know, true contenders. Cause you're going to have some teams, obviously like Sacramento is going to, yeah, we'll talk, we'll say level. true contenders and like, you know, yeah, perfect. Me, I'm gonna bulls caliber gonna contenders. Pull something up so that I, I have it in front of me. So I'm speaking from a at least semi-educated place on this. Um, so I would say Memphis, Miami, mm-hmm. Minnesota, uh, Toronto. Th- those four for sure will have the full taxpayer. Maybe Chicago. Let's see. They're they're getting like we've talked about already. Uh, they're they're pretty close to that. Um, maybe New Orleans. Uh, maybe Cleveland, maybe Charlotte. 
Um, the last two, Cleveland and Charlotte, that's more try to push us over into being a playoff team. Um, I think New Orleans kind of has has big hopes and dreams for this coming year. Um, but yeah, I think those four teams, Memphis, Miami, Minnesota, and Toronto, and then add Chicago into it. Everybody else is they're, they're taxpayer mid-level type teams and that's that's the tricky part and then the cap space teams i don't think any of them are serious towards like okay we're we're pushing in to be a title contender not this year and that would also include philadelphia or are they now in trouble yeah (laughs) philly's a little weird um because and I do think what's going to happen here, I think Harden probably is in lockstep with that front office and says, all right, what do you need me to take that will give us enough room to go get PJ Tucker, avoid the hard cap, avoid the tax apron, all that stuff. And then that's, he'll leave enough available uh, for them to be able to do that and use that full tax, uh, non-taxpayer rather, uh, mid-level exception to go get Tucker if that's what it is or almost all of it. Um, because I think Harden is uh, – it seems like they're making decisions together um, there in Philly with all this reporting of he'll either opt out and do an extension or he'll, he'll um, uh, opt out and take less money maybe and do do that kind of stuff. I think Harden has hit the point in his career where it's like, I just want to win. So if, you know, if I need to take, you know, 5 million less in first year salary, so be it, I'll figure it out. You know, it'll, it'll be fine. You know, we'll, I'll spend one night, one night in instead of a one night out on the town and I'll come out even. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, Kev. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, he'll get somebody. He'll get PJ Tucker to pay for that. One oh, night. okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Uh, Keith, uh, I'm curious. Obviously, the biggest story in the NBA over the last few days has been this report that with his decision on his option looming, Kyrie is getting closer and closer to bolting out of Brooklyn wants to go to the Lakers, but the Lakers can't put together any kind of package that the Brooklyn Nets would be remotely interested in. And then on top of that, well, if K- if Kyrie bolts, then KD is going to come to the Nets and demand a trade, even though he's uh, just beginning a fairly large contract. Um, there are other pieces of that Brooklyn Nets team. If they were to blow it up that I think Bulls fans could say, Hey, we can use that piece. Yeah. I'm thinking, you know, shooters like Harris or Seth Curry. I'm thinking a big like Claxton. What do you think is the most likely outcome of all of this drama going over in Brooklyn? And and do you think that there is a real chance that that team is completely blown up by the time we kick off the 22-23 season? I, I think there is a chance it is, let's say, partially blown up. I think the, the the big name guys, the ones who would push them towards being a title contender, I think your chance they're gone. I think some of the other guys that like like you use Nick Claxton. I think then it almost becomes a little bit more of a priority to try to keep Nick Claxton because then I think what you're trying to do is all right, he's young enough that we can sign him and he can be part of whatever this rebuild is going to look like. Because it's very clear if you're if you're just going to lose Kyrie, which maybe is the way that goes. Um, then you got to trade. If, if Kevin Durant says, I want out, then you trade Kevin Durant. You're looking for multiple young players, multiple draft picks, and you're basically doing a full reset of where you're at. And then you're looking at, all right, well, Ben Simmons is maybe still young enough. We can figure that out. Um, Nick Claxton, young enough. We can get him re-signed. But then, yeah, you're right. You're probably saying, all right, well, what good is Seth Curry as a really good perimeter shooter? doing on this team you know if we're we're rebuilding i kind of look at i don't know if you guys are baseball fans at all but i kind of look at it as the old saying of 
you, you, there's no point in having a good closer on a bad team, right? Because right. what yeah. is there to close uh, out? Right. Might as well just move that guy along. I look at it as, yeah, there's no reason to have a shooting specialist on a bad team. What are you trying to win? Like, you're not trying to win anything, so you might as well move the guy along. And and we know there's always a market for shooters. So, yeah, I think that would be, you know, interesting. I think, I think you've got a guy like Patty Mills who's sitting there right now saying, like, Hey, would you tell me what the heck is going on here so I can decide on my own <laughs> option? Like, because I don't necessarily want to be stuck to be traded, right? I might want to mm. just opt out and go pick a new team all on my own. So, I it, it is definitely a situation where if we were talking even a week, well, probably now two weeks ago, because it's kind of been bubbling for a little bit, I would have been like, there's no planet in the universe or, or any plane of the multiverse in, you know, MCU terms where Kyrie Irving is opting out of that extension to go sign for $6 million and throwing away $30 million. And then the more I got thinking about it, I said, well, dude threw away half his salary last year. He says over and over and over again, the money's not important. I don't care about it. If there's anybody in the league who's going to do it, it might be Kyrie Irving. That's a good point. Um, I wanted to ask you about a guy who, who, has now officially become available today, and that was Miles Bridges. Um, I'm interested as to where you think will be a good landing spot for him, because uh, I keep hearing the Pistons come up when when I hear Miles Bridges. But but in your opinion, what would be a good place for him? Yeah, I don't hate the idea of him on the Pistons. I, I kind of just hope he stays home in Charlotte, and they 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 you know come to their senses and they resign him and uh, do you know at least you know what it takes to to get there within reason, um, you know for them. So I I I, I just I think that team, you know, hiring Steve Clifford sends a signal. We're not rebuilding. He's not a rebuilding coach. He's somebody you want to win with uh, sooner rather than later. So I think it turns into, yeah, let's get him. Let, let's, um, you know, do that. Uh, he's one of their better defenders, obviously, on that roster. Now, that's not saying much. The four of us would be the best defensive <laughs> players on that roster, probably. I got a little, I got um, six fouls. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Right? Yeah, I get six fouls and some physical defense. <laughs> it might be mostly me falling over you, but that's okay. Um, but Stop the ball. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, I do think it's, uh, you know, it is important, too, that you retain your own when you're in that position. Because what message are you sending to guys like LaMelo Ball? If you're, yeah, no, it's too much money. We got to let him walk. Like that gets crazy. But yeah, if he leaves, I, I don't, I think people are connecting. He went to Michigan State, Detroit. Mm -hmm. Like that's right. sometimes those connections aren't real, right? And then other times they are very real. So mm -hmm. I, I, I'm not sure. But yeah, it's, it's, he's definitely an interesting kind of guy to, to keep an eye on because um, I'm a big Miles Bridges guy. I think he's yeah. you know, become a really, really good player. Here's something I don't think a lot of people realize he averaged almost four assists per game last year which as a, a playmaking forward is a pretty good number uh, for him, considering when you think about how much time LaMelo Ball, uh, Terry Rozier, and Gordon Hayward have the ball in their hands. Him averaging four assists per game is a pretty good number. Yeah, him being their leading scorer. Like, and I just, mm -hmm. It wouldn't make sense to me uh, why you would pay Hayward all that money, but you wouldn't give it to Miles Bridges, who yeah. is clearly the running partner for LaMelo. So. I don't, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Two, I mean, we're two years now into that Hayward contract. And mm -hmm. uh, I think Celtics fans are like, yep, you're, <laughs> you're, yeah, that was how it was going to go. Like you're, <laughs> you, know, you got two years when he plays, he looks really good and you're really mm -hmm. excited about what he and your team might be. And then you don't see him for two months at a time. Like it's just, you know, or that, that poor guy, you know, since I'm a boss then. I don't know what happened to him injury wise. I don't know what deal with the devil he made, but it's it's come come back to to calling now, and it's he's yeah. in you know tough 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 streets. Keith, uh, 
I'm curious about another restricted free agent. It seems kind of like maybe we're seeing a trend here of uh, like 24-year-olds on restricted free agency starting to move teams with uh, obviously Lonzo last summer and Lowry Markkinen, uh, Miles Bridges potentially. But the guy I'm interested in is DeAndre Ayton. He's been another like, what can the Bulls do to possibly upgrade their center position? <laughs> I want to go get DeAndre Ayton. But there are some complications with how that would work in terms of base year uh, compensation. Is there a, any world where a trade like Vooch for Aiton could work? Um, and where do you see Aiton realistically ending up? I like how Will's like, I don't know anything about the cap. And then he throws out base year compensation. I'm setting you up to sound smart, Keith. Hey, no, I appreciate it, man. Um, yeah, so base year compensation only really comes into play in a sign and trade um, with players who are getting a, a significant bump in salary. And essentially what it does in the case of Aiden, I'll make the numbers really easy. 30 million max salary for him. That's the number. Let's just use the bulls for the example. That's the number the bulls need to be able to bring in. Uh, but on the sun side, he only counts at 15 million um, in, in outgoing salary. So that's makes that imbalance very hard to, to make trades work unless there's an exception involved or there is you're trading the player in the cap space. Um, so in the case of the bulls, you could say, all right, we're going to send Vucevic back. Um, but that math doesn't necessarily work for those two teams. Right. The other challenge is, um, Again, if you're signing eight and you're probably doing that because you're re-signing Zach Levine, now you're going to be getting really close to that hard cap line. And if you're hard capped, remember, you can't bring in a player via sign and trade. That includes if the trade makes you hard, makes you over the hard cap. They, they figure all that after. So what they do is they plug all the numbers in and they say, you'll be over the hard cap. So you can't do it. It's not allowed. It wouldn't be being approved trade. So that's, that's where those imbalance trades get really, really difficult. It would probably be if they wanted to do something like that, you'd have to go involve a third team to say, Hey, we got to move a little bit of money around on both sides to, to get that third team involved. So the bulls are sending out enough, but the Suns are bringing back what they can bring back. But you know, in, in the general framework, I don't hate the idea of Aiton for Vucevic just as kind of the, the primaries of a trade because I think you could you could craft something that makes sense there for the Suns. Um, the, the challenge is the Suns, I don't think, even if they're going to let Aiton go, they're not going to let him go for nothing. So it's going to have to be a sign and trade or something because they're in a position where you can't really replace him you know, functionally if he leaves. And that's where it gets really difficult. Last one, Keith, and then we'll let you go. Um, as we are just a couple days away from free agency opening, um, everybody knows that it's pretty much just a handful of small market teams that have real money to throw around uh, as far as, you know, cap space. We met, you know, a big Dave mentioned Detroit and, and Bridges. Detroit has money. Indiana has cap space. Orlando, San Antonio. None of these are top tier free agent destinations. And simultaneously, there aren't really that many top tier star player free agents in this free agent class. Zach, uh, among the biggest, Beal is most re recently reported expecting to sign a, a big new contract to stay in Washington. Harden probably staying in Philly. Do you think NBA fans need to prepare themselves for a, a fairly low key free agent summer compared to some monsters we've had in recent years? Or do you still think that even though it's small market teams, even though the free agent class isn't as, you know, star studded as some, that there's still going to be some big wild waves happening in the first week of July. 
Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna use what you said because I'm gonna I'm gonna twist the words just slightly on that. And I think free agent summer, yeah, relax on that. That's probably not gonna be big stuff. But we've been calling it on my show on on uh, on um, NBA front office show. We've been calling it summer of the trade because I think we're gonna have a whole bunch of trades. I think if you could get teams to be really honest, I think there are probably 10, 12 teams that are looking at and saying, why not us next year? Celtics, Warriors, they're not inevitable. These are not the Warriors and the Cavs where everybody kind of was like, yeah, we're all playing for second in our own conferences unless something really crazy happens. I think teams are really looking at and saying, we can be them next year. We can beat that team. We, we can get there. And I think now those teams in general don't really have cap space, but – they can make moves via trades. And I think you have teams like Orlando, Detroit, some of those others that may still be in their own rebuilding curve, willing to say, hey, we'll help. We'll help a trade go through as long as we get a young player we like, uh, we get a draft pick, something like that. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll help facilitate these trades. So I, I think we are going to get, you know, I mean, obviously, if we get word a couple days from now that Kyrie Irving is going to the Lakers no matter what, like get ready because that's gonna set off who knows what, right? All sorts of madness. Um, but even if that, even if it is, hey, everybody came to their senses and he's just resigning with the Nets. I still think we're gonna get a lot of player movement. It's just not gonna happen through signings. It's gonna happen through trades. I, I think we've got a lot of teams, and I think teams now are being very smart about saying we don't want to sit in the middle. It's not like just making the playoffs. Maybe if we haven't been there in four or five years, like the Kings, right? They'd love the to Bulls. just get there, right? <laughs> yeah, or the Bulls last year to some extent, right? Like just get us back there, right? I want to play meaningful games in April, right? That's And that is important that everybody should have that goal within a window. But I think you have some teams that are like, oh, we've kind of done it. Like we didn't go anywhere. So let's really bottom this thing out. Let's let's tear it down and let's rebuild. And I think that's where that opens up all those trade possibilities. So I think I think we're in for a really fun summer, even um, without necessarily a whole bunch of major free agent movement. I love that. Let's get crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Keith, thank you so much for your time and your insight, man. Bulls Nation, if you aren't following Keith and his incredible work covering the NBA, caps, contracts, and more, you need to check him out. Check out his work on Track. Also on the NBA front office show on that YouTube channel. Subscribe to them if you aren't already and follow him on Twitter at Keith Smith NBA. Keith, thanks so much for joining us, man. Uh, we and our listeners just learned a hell of a lot and are now prepared for free agency to start. I appreciate y'all. Thanks for having me. All right, y'all. Well, that's it for today. We are back tomorrow in studio Tuesday, 3 p.m. Chicago time with another live episode for you. Until then, for our guests, Keith and Will and Dave, I'm Matt. See Red be good. 